Hello, listeners. I'm the evil producer, Emma. Typically, at the beginning of the episode, we have some wacky banter between Kat and Kira as they check their mics and get settled in. This week, however, I want to take a moment to address current events surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement. So Says Media is run by a very dedicated group of queer trans women who are very personally involved in social justice and civil rights issues. We are committed, both personally and as a company, to supporting the Black Lives Matter movement in every way that we are able. Despite our relatively small platform, our position as white women gives us a unique opportunity to amplify the voices of Black creators, along with those of Indigenous artists and other creators of color. Right now, we're trying to figure out the best way for us to use our platform to support these voices, but in the meantime, we will be donating all of our revenue this month to causes supporting the Black Lives Matter actions occurring right now. We humbly encourage you to do the same. There will be a link to various organizations and bail funds in the show notes. If you have any suggestions on how we can best use our platform to amplify these voices, please reach out to us on Twitter at SosasMedia or by email at hello at sosas.ca. Finally, the fight against internalized racism and white supremacy is not a one-time action. It is a lifelong commitment to re-examining your prejudices and behaviors while listening to and internalizing the critiques brought to you by those who do not have your privilege. Each of us is committed to upholding these practices. Thank you for your attention. Now, let's get to some unsound theories. Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we don't. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's our... Yeah. Um, I had to listen to this multiple times today while I was editing. Nice, nice. It's fucking anyway, catchy. It really I is. Love I picked a good song. Music. Yeah. So we watched uh, 11 colon 14. <laughs> 11 colon 14. <laughs> yes. I don't know if the 14 is a subtitle or... 11. 14. <laughs> so I assume that we probably miss out on a lot having not watched 11 parts 1 through 13. Yeah. But I think we also miss out on a lot without having sound, so it's fine. It. I think that the, the missing outs negate each other and we actually just got to watch the whole movie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so this movie, first of all, had a lot of very good actors in it yeah like i didn't expect with the movies that we got that that we get particularly the ones from emma that we'd get something with like the caliber of actor of sandra bullock and patrick swayze wait sandra bullock was in this yeah oh they literally like at the start of the movie they went through all of the people oh no sorry hillary swank okay yeah i did notice that name <laughs> i was like that's okay <laughs> we'll we'll rewind that it was it's, hillary swank i'm yeah. an idiot 
It, it it's fine. I was I was fully prepared to believe you that Sandra Bullock was in this movie because I am. <laughs> no, I just mixed up Hillary Swank. I am awful with faces. This is a running theme in our show. Um, and so I just figured I didn't notice her or something. <laughs> no, see, I'm also bad with faces. So I was like, oh yeah, famous, long hair, brunette. They're all the same, right? When did this movie come out? Uh. Oh three. Did it come out on November fourteenth? You know, because if not, they absolutely missed a fucking. They, they missed a good opportunity because it came out on May sixteenth. Wow. Hey, movie people, hire me. I have good ideas. This was also not to get too far ahead of ourselves. A really cheap movie. I can't. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's like. It, it is only like a few set locations. The whole budget was six million dollars. Dang, nice. Um, so yeah, no, we had Hillary Swank, we had Swayze, we had um Rachel Lee Cook, um Clark Gregg, who people now know as Agent Coulson from Marvel Cinematic Universe. Who was he? He was the cop. That's where I recognize him. Okay. Did you also notice Jason Siegel? I don't know who that is. He's the guy from, uh, he's the tall guy who played Marshall in How I Met Your Mother. He was the uh, star of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay. He was also in I Love You Man. He was in Freaks and Geeks as a teenager. Uh, I'm okay. trying to think what else he was in. So what you're saying is absolutely star-studded cast here. Yes. Okay. Do you think they knew that going into the movie? Um, I think they knew they had Rachel Lee Cook and Patrick Swayze. Fair. And Hilary Swank. They did, they, yeah, they did know this. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. And then also Colin Hanks. Yes, Colin Hanks. The titular Colin he's nowhere near the title i'm sorry i don't (laughs) the eponymous colin hex so listeners we've kind of lost our minds a little bit (laughs) quarantine has not been easy no it has not watching this movie was easy though it was very good this okay i i have in my notes that like I feel like I understood this movie all the way through because it did a good job of conveying just about everything with the own act with like with the action, the way that like stuff happened. It was comprehensible. It was they did a very good job of visual storytelling. Right. It may not be the best for this sort of a podcast (laughs) where we're supposed to be, you know, trying to decipher what happens. I think it's a good investigation of like of visual storytelling and definitely and some movies are good at it and some movies are are at astra <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah exactly or i guess um the the man from earth yeah there was another one that didn't do visual storytelling well not so much um so should we start get started with the movie? 
Yeah, so um, basically... Um, so we start off with a guy who's drinking and driving, mm-hmm. um, which we all know how a certain beloved podcast character feels about that. We won't bring her in just yet. I'm sure she'd have something to say. Wait, what is... Oh, that's right. That's right. There's an established canon of a certain beloved podcast guest that we have on this show at least once an episode now, uh, who is vehemently against drunk driving. Yes. Extremely opposed to it. I'm sure we'll hear from her later. Um, so I na- this is the only character I named because then I started to recognize most of the other actors. Oh, Okay. So I named him Johnny Drinkmore. Johnny Drinkmore. That's an extremely good name. Yes. I, it's just like it's very it's a very weird name, but like I'm 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 a fan. The way they um I, I thought it was gonna be like a supernatural type movie at first. Mm-hmm. Especially like when they first showed his little bottle of alcohol and the liquid was like swooshing around, it looked almost like magical for a second. Yeah, that's just suspension in cars from the nineties though. <laughs> Fair. Good. Uh yeah. So he is driving, drunk and talking on his cell phone. We don't know what he's saying. No. We don't know what anyone said in this movie. He's definitely talking. So, like, this movie was very weird and, like, kind of hard to place at times. This had a Tarantino-esque timeline. Yeah, so, um, like, the the basic gist of the movie is that, like, to me, it felt like a, like, it, it was a, a farce where, like, you know... It was funny for how awful the shit was that happened to literally everyone in this movie. Now, do you think there is a moral to the movie? Because I think there was something that they... I don't know if it was intentional, but there's definitely, like... They definitely set up some uh, not ideal moral messages here uh the the one there's definitely a moral message of don't drink and drive yeah that's fine i don't have a problem with that moral message because that's like yeah obviously you don't want to incur someone's wrath and like so like for me it felt like a comedy of errors where like you know it's constantly like just wrong place wrong time and something terrible happens to you yeah there's a lot of that there's they do sort of like eventually reveal like what kind of started it at all right so in, in what is the appropriate sequence of events we start off with the least information possible yeah this is definitely like a like starting it's very pulp fictiony kind of with like jumping back and forth and showing different people's perspectives and how they got to a certain situation Mm -hmm. um so you get vignettes of each person's perspective on the events of this one particular night leading up to 11 14 p.m yes which is when the oh is that why they called the movie 11 14 uh, I guess so. 
I, it might have been coincidence, though. Okay. Maybe that was just like an in-joke for people who have watched the whole series. Um, so, uh, we, we didn't get to the... So, um, Johnny Drinkmore is driving his car and talking on his cell phone. Yeah. Uh, he goes under an overpass. And hey, why did they call them underpasses if you can drive over them? <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> They don't call them underpass. I, Do they? No. You've, you've entirely broken my brain. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I, <laughs> I think I broke my own brain. Why do they call them underpasses? Okay, so what if the difference. Okay, is, is an underpass a thing? <laughs> Is so. the difference is the difference that an underpass is where the main road is the one that's below and the busy like so like it depend like if it's an overpass right. if the busier road is the one that's elevated and it's an underpass if the busier it, there must maybe or maybe it's just buck wild and you call it whatever you want maybe it just depends on your perspective like maybe it's both at the same time. I mean, like, it could, it could be like, oh, yeah, it's an underpass when you're on the road that's below and an overpass when you're on the road that's above. Yeah. Or maybe an underpass is just a tunnel. <laughs> I, uh, um, I'm completely OK. This is entirely unrelated to the movie. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? We can keep going with this discussion because Emma has to edit it. Yeah. No, actually, okay, I want to give Emma credit for picking this movie because it's the most fun I've had with one of these movies. It's extremely good. Ever. Yes. I loved it. Okay, so he's driving through the underslash overpass. Yes. On the road that is beneath the other road. Yes, he's on like the highway. Yes, when from the road crossing over top of the highway, a body falls and hits his car while he's yes. drunk driving. Yes. Um, and his response to this situation is irresponsible <laughs> at best, misguided. Um, Criminals, yes. uh, extremely so. Yes, so he tries to shove the body in his trunk and just, I guess, leave with it because he was drunk. So if the cops showed up and found out he was drunk, they would blame him for hitting someone rather than for someone hitting him from the sky. Yeah. Even though the impact crater would have more than likely shown in forensic analysis that he was innocent, other than that he'd be also still booked for drunk driving. Yeah, well, this is why you don't drive drunk, because giant birds will drop bodies onto your car. Right, and then you're not allowed in Canada for 10 years. Yeah. <sighs> so so he, he definitely takes the wrong reaction. He fucks up. He fucks up big time. Um, yeah. Important to note, though, um, that like the body's head seems like caved in. Oh, it's fully smooshified. In like, it's got no face left. Yeah, to in speak a for. very 
in a way that seems it, like odd for the way that the impact happened. Yeah, I didn't. I just thought it was like from the car at first. It was for sure. Uh, yeah, no, at first, but like it kind of started to look too round to be from a car from the 1990s because those things were literal boxes. Fair, yes. Um, he does freak out when he sees the smooshy face. Yes. Um, he does manage to get the body into his trunk, but right as he, like, gets it closed, a cop pulls up behind him. Right. Um, and he freaks out. Because he's drunk and has a body in his trunk. Uh, yeah. So I... Yeah. So I have a note here in my notes. Oh my god, the cop is Clark Gregg. <laughs> like, I knew he was coming because the opening credits list every actor in alphabetical order. Also the casting people. And I was like, okay, when's Clark Gregg going to show up? Who's he going to be playing? And I'm like, okay, there's a cop, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, that's where he is. Yeah. He was somewhat, like, he looked vaguely familiar, but I couldn't tell who he was. It might be the mustache. It is the mustache, because that's what threw uh, me. Yeah, for sure. He's got a cop mustache. So, you know, it's bad. Because mm -hmm. uh, it's attached to a cop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're having a grand old time with him getting arrested. He gets zip tied instead of handcuffed. That was a, a thing. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I mean, I guess... So, there's reason for that, but we don't find out until later. Yeah. Um, so, like, the point of this movie is that we, we get pieces of the picture from different people's perspective and then piece everything together. Yes. To find out exactly what happened. Yep. Exactly. So, he's... You know, getting arrested because the cop notices blood leaking out of his trunk and finds the body. At that point, he pulls out a pocket knife and starts cutting through. Yeah, he cuts the through zip tie. the zip tie and he manages to escape and run away. At this point, I was really thinking we were going to get like he was going to commit homicide to get away from. I thought he was going to kill the cop. Yeah. And like. Running away rather than killing the cop was probably a smart decision. Yeah. So he's not he he's fifty fifty at this point. He's batting five hundred. I I wouldn't go that far because <clears throat> he did do the drunk drive, and then he also did the put the body in the trunk. Okay, and also talked on his phone while driving. Yes. So he's not doing great as far as so decision making. Okay, so his decision making is batting uh, one twenty five. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of baseball. I'm sorry, <laughs> I've regressed okay, so much Cisco. under quarantine. Baseball. <laughs> we're like five minutes into the we're, movie. We're, we're like three minutes into the movie and. <laughs> We're 30 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Quarantine, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so um, 
Hillary Swank was in the back of the cop car. Yes. And when 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 Johnny Drinkmore starts to run away, the cop leaves the door open. So yeah. the two people in the back of the cop car also run away. One yep. of them being Hillary Swank. Yes. And then, <sighs> like as Johnny Drinkmore's running away, he encounters a lady who saw him by the side of the road and she's like, "Oh, are you okay? Do you need help?" blah blah blah. And then the I cop comes she's the and one. is like, "He killed someone." So she bashes Johnny Drinkmore over the head with a flashlight. Yeah. Which is apparently then Clark Gregg is like, oh, well, I gotta stop her from assaulting this murderer. <laughs> so he holds her back and Johnny Drinkmore runs away again, this time into a cemetery where he trips on a bowling ball. Yes. Like you do in cemeteries. Okay. Is that. That's part one. Where his vignette ends? Yes. He ends here. The next one we ha- oh what was next oh next oh next is the Van Boys yeah next was the Van Gobus um was that the Facebook movie boy in the one of the Van ones I don't I don't know I've never seen the Facebook movie okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not being more helpful um uh, anyway I like I thought. At this point, that it was going to be like a Groundhog Day type time reset thing. I thought so too. That was my initial read. Like, there's only one other, like, there's only one reason why you camera focus on a clock changing to a certain minute. Mm -hmm. And it's if time repeats itself at that time. But they didn't do that. So I guess good on them for throwing cinematic convention out the window in exactly the way that one of the Van Boys, um, the Van Gobus. One of the boys has a shirt that says "Legalized Crime." I I think yeah, one of those that that boy has a real rough night. <laughs> he does not have a good time. <laughs> um, um, I also noted that this is two thousand three. Colin yeah. Hanks looks literally the same, and it's been seventeen years. Which one is Colin Hanks? The driver. Okay. The one who looks like a knockoff Tom Hanks. Okay. So, yes. We have some delinquent boys. Yes, they throw a bottle full of shaving cream at a sign that says speed hump, which (laughs) I assume is intended to be a noun and not a verb, but you never know. (laughs) Uh, They've just like, you know, gone ahead and and made like a a whole section of the road for, for car fucking. In they, this town. They, I mean, it's a very horny teenager-filled town. It is. There are many horny teenagers. Uh, potentially one fewer. Yeah. Um, so so uh, they're doing pranks. Yeah, they're doing pranks and crimes. One of them lights a book on fire and throws it on the sidewalk. It's a yeah. very low-stakes prank. Uh, yeah. Um, they fill... A- I, they throw like a bottle of something at somebody's car. No, they throw a sandwich or like oh, something. Oh yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. a burger. Okay, yeah. At somebody's car, and that person swerves and is like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Um, and then legalized crime boy thinks it would be a very good idea to 
pee out the window of the van while it is moving. He sticks his ding-dong out the window. Yep, ding-dong goes out the window. (laughs) And sprays it all over the side of the van. I, um, which the driver is upset about. Yeah, so and Colin Hanks is very mad that his van is very pissy now. He's he gets pissy. Um he like turns to yell at Piss Boy and hits a pedestrian with his van. Um then someone runs into the road, sees the the extremely dead pedestrian and pulls a gun on the van boys and opens fire they drive away frantically yes now at this point we cut into the car where we see um piss boy has been he's got some blood and they yeah it it you think at first oh he got shot no he did not he got uh he got windowed because it's a sliding Mm -hmm. window in that van Mm -hmm. and he had his winky dink um outside of the van when the brakes were slammed upon and the window um still being subject to still being subject to inertia continued forward and did a little choppy chop guillotined his dick off (laughs) yeah so uh he is now dickless um, oh, also, I called the the van boys the prank patrol. Prank patrol. That's good. That's good. Um, one of the prank boys, uh, the, the, the low stakes one who lit the book on fire, threw it on the <laughs> yes. sidewalk. This is the one who I think is the Facebook movie boy. Okay, we'll have to look into this. Um, he goes back to the scene of the accident to try and locate the shrinky dink. The shrinky dink. (laughs) Um, And there's uh, an ambulance on the scene, obviously, because someone was hit by a car. Mm -hmm. Um, We also see the gentleman who opened fire on them get driven off in a cop car. Yes. Up until until this point, I did think that the uh, curly-haired Facebook boy was Mm -hmm. supposed to be like a younger version of johnny drinkmore that's what i thought too yeah um turns out no not the same dude i half expected him to walk up to the uh the emts and just be like so have uh, y'all seen a penis (laughs) have you seen the top half of a penis (laughs) Hey, Uh, it turns out they did find it and they put it on ice in their ambulance and he tries to steal it out of the ambulance and they catch him. Oh, no. Yeah. So we got I got to steal my friend's dick back from the paramedics (laughs) so he can get it reattached. Uh, One of the paramedics is Jason Siegel, which was great. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, there's Jason Siegel for some reason. Cool. Um. 
So this leads to a lovely scene where he is just sprinting down the road, just clutching his friend's dick in his hand. Just fully fisting. <laughs> being chased by Jason Siegel. Fully fisting that dick, being chased by Jason Siegel. It's a delight. Going whole hog on that hog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's basically the end of their... Um... They get in the car. Um, at some point... Patrick Swayze shows up. Does he? Like, I, yeah, he he like jumps in in one of these scenes. He like does like a jump in moment, maybe with the maybe with the Dick Boys, as like a he like I think he like distracts oh, the paramedic oh, for like oh. half a second. No, what happens is he finds like he's what does happen? Fucking, I don't remember. I just remember his face cutting in for like two or three frames. Yeah. Um, it was so. What was our next vignette? I think this is uh Patrick Swayze's time to shine. We see him eating a sandwich as his daughter, I guess, mm-hmm. leaves the house in a car, mm-hmm. and then he takes the dog for a walk. While walking his dog, he, he discovers a cemetery. His daughter's car keys in the cemetery. Yes. Next to a dead body. A dead body with a um the head caved a smooshed in. face. A, a very smooshed face which um watchers may recognize as the smooshed face from the first vignette. Mhm. And so things are starting to tie together at this point. Right. So the sways picks up so it, it, the smooshed face was smooshed in by the head of a angel that was on top of a gravestone. Mm-hmm. So at this point, my read was that it was just a homeless dude who was sleeping in a graveyard and happened to get really bad luck when a gravestone broke and moited him. That okay, I can see that. But like, obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. So I think he like has a panic because he finds his daughter's car keys. He's like, did my daughter kill this guy? Right. So he's like, I got to hide the body or do something. Yeah. Let me drop it off the side of this bridge. Into... So it'll look like a suicide. Yeah. The forensic analysis teams actually can determine if it was a drop push fall. There's a very simple trajectory for drop push fall tests. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Though. Not Yeah, no. This guy hasn't watched any crime shows or anything. That said, his sandwich looked really good, and I kind of want a sandwich now. He's a simple man who eats sandwiches and watches nature documentaries. Yeah, so... Oh, he gets, like, he, he's, like, trying to pull this body out of... It gets even worse. Like, he locks his keys in the car with his dog at one point, so he has to use a rock to break into the car. Yeah. He drives to the bridge... He has to hide because a car drives by. Um, it turns out that his car was the one that got hit by the border earlier. Yes. So <laughs> he's hiding behind the car while his dog is standing on the hood of the car, licking the fucking... Licking burger off the windshield. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a funny little, you know, comedy moment in this shit fest horror movie Mm -hmm. he does manage eventually to get the body out and over the side of the overpass 
onto the underpass and we see it land on um johnny drinkmore's car yeah um and then the dog like fucking takes off with a dirty bloody shirt Mm -hmm. in its mouth and so he has to chase the dog um he eventually catches up to the dog and finds the burning book on the sidewalk and decides to use that fire to also burn the bloody clothing. Which actually is fairly clever. Yes. Make it look like a prank. This is a fairly smart move. Yeah. Um, And then he opens up like a manhole and kicks the flaming mess into there. And he's like... So he's really disposed of all the evidence at this point yeah he's in the middle of doing this when the woman from earlier who stopped to see if johnny Drinkmore was okay on the side of the road shows up to talk to him like is like hey what you doing and he's i am assuming like oh these goddamn kids are pranks i made a fiery mess here and i'm just putting it out and blah 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 So she's like, okay, and then gives him a ride home or whatever. And that's the end of his vignette, I think. Right? Right. Yes. Who's next? Next is Hilary Swank. Okay, yes. She's also not doing good on the decision making. No. So, yeah. Do you, okay, first of all, do you think the dog is orchestrating the series of deaths so here's the thing the one thing that i've learned from the simpsons is that it's only if the dog has shifty eyes that it's evil okay i wasn't paying attention to the dog's eyes this dog has very happy eyes so it's not a shifty eyed dog so it can't be the bad guy okay the dog is not an evil extra dimensional entity or anything like that no okay that's good. So, um, Hilary Swank is working in a convenience store late at night. Yep. She's about to close up. When the guy who happened to shoot at the prank patrol earlier yeah. shows up. And they seem, like, fairly friendly with each other. I didn't know if they were, like, friends or dating or what. Because, like, he was obviously, like, knew her mm-hmm. and was just sort of, like hanging out with her while she closed down the store and she was fine with that right up until he pulls the gun and says give me all the money in the cash register yeah she's not happy about that now at this point um the girl who gets hit by the car shows up first two members of the prank patrol show up and buy a bunch of shit right they buy like bottles and a bunch of other shit that they then went on to use for pranks yes it was I guess a moment of connection between the stories, but also ultimately unnecessary to show. Yes. I didn't need it. Uh, you know, it was always a, a good time to see our friend um, legalized crime, though. <laughs> yes, legalized crime. <laughs> our still at that point penist friend. <laughs> Bedictacult. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why do they let me have multiple podcasts it's just yeah he's still he hasn't uh, lost his crown so to speak at this point (laughs) (laughs) he hasn't been deboned 
okay, so like uh hit and run girl shows up and like they go back to the back cooler to make out. Starts starts smooching on the boy. Except that our idiot would be robber has forgotten and leaves his revolver up front of Hillary Swank. Yeah, so she is like, oh, cool, I'll just play with this gun. Instead of, you know, right, like, I think she, like, assumed that he wasn't gonna ever shoot her. Yeah. You know? Um, so she's playing around with the gun and accidentally shoots a bullet through a glass door and multiple cans of jolt cola just to really <laughs> uh, put a firm date on when this takes place yeah so the two love children come out from the back and are mm-hmm. you know freaking out and the girl takes dude's jacket which i did notice said had a route 420 patch on it which again, i noticed that too the costuming department had a lot of fun with this one clearly <laughs> I I like kind of want to get a shirt that says legalize crime. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> when when we eventually have merch for this show, I think a legalize crime shirt has to be done. Oh, absolutely. Along with something for flop jaw. Something for flop jaw and neck drug. Something for a neck drug. We we need a have you dug neck drug. Have you dug neck drug and then hashtag release the neck drug cut underneath. Yeah. Uh <laughs> oh god, so like now at this point he does take the money from the cash register and she's like no i'll get fired for this and so right so like the bullet hole through the glass and everything like that is a pretty good pretense to say yeah some guy came in threatened to rob us unless i gave him the threatened to kill me unless i gave him the money he fired a warning shot at the fridge and killed those jolt cola. So I knew he was serious. That's why I gave him the money. Yeah. But no, under pressure, she decides the only way to really sell this as a real robbery is for you to shoot me in the arm. Yeah. Which was odd. And she like pulls off like some arm skin is like, here, shoot me through this arm skin. Yeah. Oh, that was. Yeah. So they do that. <laughs> And then There's he... no way that th- you can do that comfortably and also get a gun on there, though. That's the thing. Like, how, how well, do you... Well, it depends on how much arm skin you've got. Maybe she's got stretchy skin. Yeah, I guess... I wouldn't... Like, I've got more muscle, so I wouldn't be able to do that. I am a well-muscled lass. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely... I mean, like... It's definitely been noticeable that the deterioration of my triceps has left me with extra skin on the back of my arms that is fairly common in women in their late 20s and beyond. So, like, I feel old, but also validated by it. That's fair. Fair. Anyway. Yeah. So he shoots her through the arm meat. (laughs) And then she calls the cops. Yeah. So... That happens. Um, our would-be robberman, like, leaves. He realizes, oh shit, I don't have my keys there in my jacket. Then notices, oh, hit and run girl left the keys in the front of my car. I'm okay. Yeah. She realized it before she left. Yeah. At this point, he, like, finds her 
parked on the side of the road or whatever. Right, but not before driving past Patrick Swayze, who is trying to dispose of the body. Yes, he's the one who drives past while the dog mm-hmm. is licking the hamburger off the windshield. Yes. And since he's panicking because he just shot someone and robbed a store, he's not going to stop. So it's like a bunch of like really, it's great. Yeah, um, it's very good. Um, he like shows Hit and Run Girl the, mo- the, the money. I don't 100% know why. Well, I think I do know why. And we'll get to it in a little bit. When we get to her story. Yeah. So then the, the prank boys... The Van Gogh boys. Yeah, she like walk, starts walking across the street to get the money or whatever and gets hit by the prank squad. Right. So the prank the prank patrol then gets shot at, a dick is severed. Yes. And this and story then, is really starting to come together. Yes. So at this point we've pieced together probably eighty percent of the story. Yeah, but there's more still. Um so or would-be robber gets arrested because mm-hmm. a cop who is like basically on his way to the scene of the crime that had just happened hears yeah. gunshots and is like let me pull a let me pull a 360 here yeah I mean a 180. A 180. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought about that old meme. Why do they call it an Xbox 360? Because you look at it, it turns 360 degrees and walk away. Yeah, I thought of that too. <laughs> yep, uh, a classic. An all-time class, especially the diagrams attempting to explain it. <laughs> So, uh, he gets arrested by Clark Gregg. Yes. For shooting at the van and the store robbery because he matched the description someone had phoned in. Mm Mm-hmm. The paramedics show up, and Hilary Swank is in the back of the ambulance, and they're like, oh, you just got robbed. Is this the guy who robbed you? And she refuses to, uh, like, it's like, basically, she looks at him and is like, eh. So they're like, okay, you were in on it. At least that's my read. I think that the gun boy snitched on her. Someone definitely snitched on someone here. Yeah. I, yeah. He, I think he was like, you know, in, in trouble. And he was like, well, it was her idea or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's how both of them end up in the back of the cop car. When yeah. Johnny Drinkmore helps get them free. Yes. Oh boy, it all connects. And now we go to, I guess, our this is our last part of the movie? Uh, I think so, yeah. The perspective of Hit and Run Girl. Yes. What was her name? I forget. I think according to her keys, it was like Sherry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, Sherry goes to bone down with a boy in a graveyard, and this boy has like a real creepy rat stash. Oh, he's not rocking it. His facial hair is a crime, so... Um, it seems like the that she was boning down with him to get money from him? That, yes. I think this is also connected to the getting the money from Gun Boy. Right. I think she needed the money for some reason. I think she and might just be have a... She might just have a business. Maybe? I think she just... I don't know. It is, feels like a, you know, like a 
effectively I, I don't know exactly how old she was supposed to be but she looked fairly teenagerish. she's definitely a teenager and i think she's charging all the other teenage boys in the town for boning see my re i the only reason that a teenage girl and her boyfriend happen to need a lot of money on very short notice and will do anything to get it other than telling their parents is that I think she needs to pay for an abortion. Okay. Because we know that she bones down. It's confirmed yeah. canonically that she bones down. She does bone down. And definitely didn't use a condom. Yeah. So, yeah. I still don't 100% know if that's her boyfriend. The, the guy she's boning down with in the graveyard? Or yeah. the guy she makes out with in the... Um, convenience or store johnny drink more <laughs> or johnny drink more for that matter that, i think she just has a business maybe and i think that's yeah okay so my question is why was she called sorry we should get through this before we get to that part so they're having sex in the cemetery the right boy up against is the headstone right up against the headstone the stone angel on top you can see where this is going at this point yeah she fucks him so hard that the angel's neck breaks and kills him yep smooshes his face right um, in the middle of the fucking she finishes after he's dead yeah i don't think she notices at first no she's just like too into it um and then she notices and is very freaked out but doesn't put his dick away which is interesting she does she but, does yeah when she's like she like pulls his pants back up and she like rifles through his wallet and notices the bowling ball mm -hmm. in the picture and so she decides she's gonna like i think she decides she's gonna frame this other dude for the murder by replacing the angel head with the bowling ball. bowling ball okay so yes. she's really like very scummy is what i'm getting from this yeah She's, like, trying to cover for herself or whatever. Because that right. was the whole point of getting the dude's jacket be was because she needed to get into his car to, to steal the bowling steal ball the bowling to ball. frame him. Yeah. And I think then, like, so it, we cut back to the whole scene in the um, convenience store where she's feeling around for his keys, trying to figure out where he keeps his keys, which is how she knows to take his jacket. Yeah. And I think she uses dead boy's cell phone to then call the cops and give them gun boy's description. Yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Yes. Okay. Cause yeah. So okay. that would, so she's really just selling everyone down the river at this point to try to, I, maybe she is running a scam. Yeah. And then that's why she calls Johnny Drinkmore. Yeah, because she's like, oh no, something's bad, bad, bad has happened. Johnny Drinkmore is her pedophile paramour. Yeah. She's like, I need money, or well, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're talking about, but yeah. But yeah, no. So then Gunboy shows up and is like, I've got the money you need, I've got the money. And she crosses the street. Bang. Bang. Dead. Um, at this point, the movie then cuts to everyone's perspective again for the moment of 1114 yeah so we see like what happened exactly at 1114 to everyone yeah and then it like does a little swirl around uh sherry's phone that says 1114 and then roll credits yeah end of movie
So what I'm saying is, I think that this movie, um, I think they, I don't know, it, I, I think they were going for, like, it's the girl's fault. All of this happened because she's charging teenage boys for sex. I think that is kind of where they were positioning things, is that all of, all of the shit that happened is, in a sense, her getting like comeuppance for being a slut yeah which i don't not like ideal. not ideal i would say but is also very 2003 yeah yeah it is but not ideal don't not like ideal it. at all hate that do not like it okay do we want to mid-roll real quick yes 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 Mid-roll, talking about mid. mid. No, let's not do that. Don't say what's Disney. (laughs) Please. Um, What do we got to talk about? So we don't really have... Why don't we just make Emma record the mid-roll? Yeah, we could just have Emma record the mid-roll. That's what happens every other episode. We try to record a (laughs) mid-roll. Well, that's because we talk about skeleton mattresses. (laughs) I guess we could leave this one to Emma. Let her do this. <laughs> Limbic system mattresses. <laughs> Limbic system. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, uh, I have to. Okay, Emma will record the mid roll. Hello again, listeners. I'm back for the mid roll. This week's mid roll is going to be brief, as we only have one bigger project to plug. I want to talk to you for a second about chicks with dice. Right now, we're in the middle of the first Dark Side campaign arc. Once this arc completes, we'll get to meet the Light Side campaign crew. Kat, Kira, Hannah, and myself, the GM, have been hard at work putting together our first story arc, and we're really excited to present it to you. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more information about the release of the Light Side campaign. In the meantime, stick around at the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of Light Side Episode 1. That's all I've got for this week. Let's get back to the unsound theories. Okay, sorry, Emma. I love you. <sighs> Thanks for giving us a good movie. Yeah, no, okay. So back back from the mid-roll now. Um, da, 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 we're back from the mid-roll. <laughs> so... Yeah, this was the most fun I've had with one of these movies ever. Oh, it was enjoyable while watching it. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Dot com. Like I, I'm going to watch this movie again, and not in like a sad way, like we did (laughs) with a man of no importance. Yeah. Oh, that movie though. It was good. It was real good. Do we want to run through the plot summary? Hell yeah, we do. Okay. Even we totally nailed it. I think so. Just um, like, what's your name? Nailed the boy so hard. That his head got caved in. Yeah. She's also a quick lay. Let's, let, I mean, like, good for her that she's able to get off that quickly. Yeah. That takes skill. I, I mean, that might have just been editing. No, because they, they, these, the, uh, the events of the movie were supposed to have happened in, like, real time. Oh, true. Like, I did notice that, like, her dad like disposed of the body in like 10 minutes and i did make note of that being quite uh, efficient yeah so um okay 
The film involves a series of interconnected events that converge around two car-related incidents at 11.44... Sorry, that's not the title of the movie. 11.14 p.m. Connections between these events are not apparent at first, but are gradually revealed through a series of progressively receding flashbacks. Jack, who has been drinking, is seen driving along a road late at night, talking on his cell phone. The clock on his dashboard reads 11.14 p.m. Suddenly... As he drives under an overpass, it's confirmed cannon overpass. Okay. <laughs> Something smashes across the windshield, causing him to skid off the road. He stops by a deer crossing sign and gets out to ex- inspect the damage and finds a human body with a badly mutilated face laying close to his car. When he sees another car approaching, he panics and drags the body out of sight. Car pulls up next to him and the driver, Norma, assumes he hit a deer. She offers to call the police over to over Jack's protests insisting that it's no trouble because she has a new cell phone that she never uses and because she's friends with the chief of police. Norma offers Jack a ride to her house to wait for the police, but he declines. When she drives off, Jack decides to hide the body in the trunk of his car. He gets back into the car to pull away, but a police officer pulls up behind him. Officer Hannigan speaks with Jack, noting his odd behavior and asks him if he would submit to a breathalyzer test. Jack requests a sobriety test instead, which Hannigan administers, getting order to recite the alphabet in reverse from Z to A, or Z to A, depending on whether this is in Canada or the US. Z um, to Ed. <laughs> when the officer checks with dispatch, he finds that Jack's license has been revoked for driving under the influence. Oof, Hannigan tells Jack that he's that. under arrest and his car will be impounded. When he finds the body in the trunk, Hannigan handcuffs Jack with a cable tie and tells the two people already in the back of the cruiser, Duffy and Buzzy, to move over so that Jack will fit. When Hannigan argues with Buzzy, who refuses to move over, Jack is able to pull clippers out of his pocket, cut the cable tie, and escape. Hannigan pursues, leaving the cruiser door open, and Duffy and Buzzy also escape. Jack runs across the property with security lights and a dog, causing the owner, Norma, from before, to come out. Salvi upset and is looking for her husband, Frank, because she just received a phone call that their daughter, Sherry, was killed in a hit-and-run accident. Oh my he catches God. up to Jack at this point, and Norma angrily strikes Jack with a flashlight, assuming he's responsible for her daughter's death. He flees again into the cemetery, trips over a bowling ball, and is again taken into custody. Part 2. 1109 to 1129. Tim, Mark, and Eddie are driving around causing trouble by throwing things out of the windows of Mark's mother's van, including a jelly donut, which hits an oncoming car. It was a jelly donut, not a burger. Okay. Um, a oh, book that they've quick. set on fire. How fucking choice would it be if it was actually Ed, Ed, and Eddie? <laughs> that would have been pretty fucking choice. <laughs> <laughs> but they fucked up again. Oh, God. Yeah, they... It, I'm sure there were copyright reasons. Um, (laughs) Mark, distracted by Eddie urinating out the van's window, runs into and kills Sherry, who is crossing the road on her cell phone. They stop but flee the scene when Duffy comes towards the van with the gun. As Duffy fires on the retreating van, Tim realizes that the accident also caused the van's window to snap shut, cutting off Eddie's penis. Eddie insists that they all go back to the site of the crash because he doesn't want to live without his penis. Feeling sorry for Eddie, Tim volunteers to go back in an effort to find the penis. Tim is accosted by the paramedics, Leon and Kevin, at the scene, but manages to escape and get the severed penis back to Eddie. End part two. Perfect. Part three. 11.04 p.m. to 11.24 p.m. Frank is walking his dog late at night when he disco- and discovers his daughter Sherry's car keys next to the dead body of Aaron in the cemetery. Thinking his daughter is responsible for the death, 
Frank packs the body in the trunk of Sherry's car, accidentally locking the keys in with the body. He uses a rock to break the window and get into the car, then drives to a bridge. He has to hide from a car driven by Duffy that passes by, but then disposes of the body by dropping it over the side of the bridge where it lands on Jack's car, as seen at the start of the film. His dog (gasps) runs off with the blood-soaked jacket. He chases the dog, eventually catching it. He sees the burning book that the people threw on the sidewalk and uses it to set the jacket on fire. His wife, Norma, sees him and gives him a ride home where she sends him out to look for the deer that Jack supposedly hit. Okay. End part three. Part four, 1059 to 1119. Buzzy is working at a convenience store late at night. Her friend and co-worker Duffy arrives and they begin discussing Sherry's pregnancy and money needed for an abortion. Okay. Mark and Eddie arrive after the store is closed, but Duffy lets them come in. They're they're there to buy items to throw out the van's windows. As they leave, Duffy tells Buzzy he's planned to steal from the store the $500 required to pay for the abortion. Sherry arrives, and she and Duffy go into the cooler to make out. Meanwhile, Buzzy is playing around with Duffy's revolver, the one he plans to use to rob the store, and she accidentally shoots a bullet through a glass door of the refrigerator, barely missing Duffy and Sherry. Sherry leaves, and Duffy asks Buzzy to allow him to steal the money from the convenience store cash register. Buzzy objects, fearful of losing her job, but relents while insisting that Duffy shoot her in the arm to make it look authentic. <laughs> he shoots her in the arm, then dials 911 for her, leaving her while she's on the phone. Duffy looks for his keys, barely escaping the police, who are arriving more quickly than he thought they would. While driving away, he passes by Aaron's car, where Frank is parked, preparing to dispose of Aaron's body. Duffy then sees Sherry parked and tells her he got the money for her. When she gets out of the car, he witnesses the Vanga bus knock down and kill Sherry. He then shoots at the young people. He's then arrested by Officer Hannigan for shooting at the van and for the store robbery based on a description someone phoned in, later revealed to be Sherry. Buzzy is arrested as an accomplice when she refuses to identify Duffy and admits to conspiring with him. End part four. Is her name... Buzzy or Bussy? Duffy. No. Oh, Buzzy. Okay. B U double Z Y. Okay. Part five. Ten fifty four to eleven fourteen. Sherry leaves her house to have sex with Aaron at the cemetery. Aaron is reclining against a tombstone that has an angel on top. The angel's neck is damaged. And the heavy stone falls onto Aaron's face, killing him instantly and mutilating his face. Sherry runs away from the scene, not realizing she dropped the set of keys that Frank found in the earlier scene. Sherry borrows her father's car, goes to the convenience store to get Duffy's bowling ball, intending to replace the angel head with the bowling ball and implicate Duffy as killing Aaron. I got that part right. She drives away from the store sees the shooting, and reports the description of Duffy to the police. When Sherry arrives back at the cemetery, she drops the bowling ball when she sees that Aaron's body is gone. She tries to leave, but her car is having trouble starting again. Her cell phone rings. She begins talking to Jack, a.k.a. Johnny Drinkmore. This is the phone conversation the movie begins with, which continues to inform the viewer that Sherry's pregnancy is actually a scam to get money from both Duffy and Aaron so that Sherry and Jack can leave town together with the money. Okay, so she's definitely running a scam. Yes. In the midst of the call, Duffy calls out Sherry's name for across the street to tell her he got the $500 she wanted him to get. Sherry hangs up quickly, and while she's crossing the street, her cell phone rings again. Distracted, she stops in the middle of the road where she's hit by the van containing 
Mark, Tim, and Eddie. The camera pans to her cell phone, which reads 11.14 p.m. Roll credits. Yep. That movie happened. That movie was really fucking good. I enjoyed it. Um, okay. We... Critical response. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 92% fresh rating. Cool. But definitely not nominated for any awards. Well, that's a shame. Certainly should have been nominated for Best Sound Direction. (laughs) As we well know. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, I forgot. Okay, do you want to do Amazon reviews? Oh, shit. I totally forgot we do that. Let's find some good ones. Okay, I'm going to check our one-star reviews. (laughs) Okay, I've got one from Tabby D, who writes... One star. Title of the review. Low budget. The body of the review. Low budget. Okay. Um, one star. Nobody should attempt to tell different stories that happen at the same time except Tarantino. Oh, no. 11.14 is an absolute piece of trash. Everybody must admire Pulp Fiction in the way Quentin Tarantino tells different stories that happen at the same time this movie tries doing it and does but the stories that are being told are completely awful and dumb i really like most of the actors in this movie but nobody can do great stuff anymore except the ones who've established themselves like tarantino leave it to the guy with a foot fetish to tell these types of stories the foot fetish thing was me editorializing i was like well i mean this reviewer obviously also has foot fetish so do we have other um I have a three-star review here. Okay. Confused. Not up there with most of his films found it conjusing. <laughs> conjusing. C-O-N-G-U-S-I-N-G. <laughs> Could that also potentially be confusing? I think it's just a typo of confusing. I think so too. But how would we pronounce this word? <laughs> it's confusing. Okay. Uh, we have another re- three-star review from Hawaii Boy Fifty Eight, <clears throat> titled "Jumps Around a Lot." I personally didn't like this movie very much. It jumps from one scene to another and back to another throughout the movie. Would not recommend to friends. <laughs> um, <clears throat> another three-star review from Carolyn B titled hard to keep up and this is oh i'm just gonna read this as it's written okay this is the strangest movie i have ever watched i now know why it never really made it big in the u.s i love patrick swayze and his part was good but this movie was hard to keep up to so many stories gone gone so many stories going on all at one time how one story interacts on another is surprising I would never buy this DVD again. As usual, Amazon fills quickly and I order a lot from them. <laughs> okay, um, Kira, I've got some... Actually, don't read that first one. I'm going to have you read the second one. Okay. Because it's Bob G time. Bob G! I assume you remember this part of the show. I do. <laughs> Our we new read, favorite. We reviews from our beloved Amazon reviewer, Bob G. <clears throat> Bob G. Okay, so I'm going to read that first one. Okay. I'll have you read the second one, and then I'll read the third one. 
Okay. Okay, so this is um, a review of Fearless Season 1. Four stars. Details of what's fearful. Interesting explanation of the fraudulent British intelligence, which is supported by the criminal intentions of the son of a bush. (laughs) (laughs) The metafraud created heartless Dick Cheney. And the international criminal expropriator of the American property, Tony Blair, and their felony religionist intent to sacrifice thousands of male lives in the Iraq war. These sentences are so fucking hard to read. (laughs) This fucking guy! That it was part of another set... uh, Sorry, that it was... That it was part of the set of other felony abrogations of the human and civil rights of American citizens based in the theft of the rightful incomes of elderly interest-dependent retired, which began in early 2001, and the creation of fraudulent computer systems to dispossess Americans of our identities and property, and the pretense that the felony abrogations presented as a Patriot Act was all in response to the destruction of some tall buildings which had the fingerprints of the Narcophony Air Force Reserve flunk out presidents of all over it. Presidents all over it. But which was fr- okay, so he's saying Bush did 9-11. He's saying that. <laughs> Uh, which was fraudulently attributed to macho Islamists who had never before did not then parentheses holy weirds I assume that means Hollywood helpful creation of the low-grade fantasy flick Osama gloating to the contrary notwithstanding and (laughs) have never since used that successful method of terrorism it was a well-constructed story Competently presented by Helen McCrory and her supporting cast. I none of that made sense. He just needed that last line. What was this a review of? A movie, another movie, a show called Fearless. Holy I think he just shit. had to have a whole Bush did 9/11 rant in there. Oh my god, Bob G. Thank you, Bob G. Please come on the podcast. Do you want me to read this Bob G review? Please. Okay. This is a three-star review of <clears throat> Steve Martini's The Judge by Pastor Chris Noeth, famous for playing Mr. Big in Sex in the City. <clears throat> this review by Bob G. No surprises. No surprises for those of us long since familiar with criminally corrupt law enforcement offals Judgy Wudgies violating the fundamental law of the land on behalf of felony tax evading religion gang whims, the 535 legis critters in Worsing Dunn District of Corruption flagrantly waving the Constitution to foster their criminal schemes against American citizens and the rest of the criminal gang appointed offals of gooferment on all levels. So I have no idea what he thought of this movie. Is it? It's a TV show. Oh, Jesus. Bob G is somehow the most entertaining thing we have discovered. (laughs) This is an absolute Amazon hidden gem. And like... Yeah. 
Oh, God. Okay, so this is a review of um, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Whatever's the one that was a vehicle for Cara Delevingne. Mm-hmm. I watched that movie. To try to become a real actor. It's three stars, titled Anime Sci-Fi. A largely anime science fiction thriller, perfect for the generation raised on telebitchin' cartoons and video games. <laughs> Somewhat less so for human adults. <laughs> Based on the comic book series Valerian and Loreline, Heavily promotive of the felony tax evading religionist felony enslavement fraudocracy leading to divorce racketeering in the real world. How many times has Bob G been divorced? Um like at least seven, right? I kind of can't see Bob G as anything but an incel. Nobody gets this mad at stuff. He's like 75, obviously, and has been divorced six to nine times and is very upset that he has to pay child support. Wait, are you saying that Bob G fucks? (laughs) Oh, I think we know that Bob G fucks. They don't call (laughs) it the G spot for nothing. Okay, there's one more sentence. Also promotive of the ma dern take no logic notions of virtual reality devices. Oh my god, take no logic instead of technologic. Oh my god. Bob G, never change. Overall tenor of the film was that of a video game. Okay. This one actually didn't go too off topic. No, I'm impressed. Good job, Bob G. Oh, this is the single greatest thing that I have ever saved anywhere. <laughs> I I love that I have this bookmarked. I think that um, before we leave, mm-hmm. we do have to do a little bit of a public service announcement. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I guess what, there's just one thing we need to talk about. Um, Do we need a special guest to help us talk about this? No one better to talk about this than mm-hmm. our very good friend, who I will turn the mic over to now. Our very good friend, and yes, unless you make bad decisions. Anyway, hey, what's up, sluts? It's me, Flop Jaw, the shittiest Muppet, here to talk to you about drunk driving. I need you to not fucking do it at all, ever. You might fucking hit someone who jumped off a fucking overpass. Or maybe they didn't jump, maybe they were pushed. But you shouldn't fucking drive drunk, you goddamn piece of shit. I'll kill you. But Flapjaw, what if I only have a drink? It doesn't fucking matter. I'll fucking kill you. Don't fucking drive drunk, you piece of shit. (laughs) Well, gee, Flapjaw, thanks. I sure learned a lot. No fucking problem. Now don't drive drunk. God damn it. Uh, okay. Thank you, Flopjaw, for uh, coming and visiting for that yeah, wonderful thanks. PSA. Thanks, Flopjaw. Kira, have I ever sent you uh, the Canadian PSA slash children's video? Don't you put it in your mouth? <sighs> well, no. 
Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you put it in your mouth. Unless you ask someone you love. Unless you ask someone you love. <laughs> it's a very good song. Now. But it's also so weird. They're talking about the pee pee. Poisons and small okay. objects. Okay. That just makes me think of poison orb emitting. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna send this to you now. Um, it's a minute and fifty nine seconds. Let's. I'm gonna have you watch this, and then let's see if we can record a version of <clears throat> "Don't You Put It in Your Mouth," but with flop jaw. With flop. Oh fuck yeah! Don't you put it in. This is the Bob G review that you sent me. You you didn't send me the right thing. Wait, did I not send it to no, you? No, no, you sent me the Bob G review again. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I got distracted by "Don't You Put It in Your Mouth." Okay. Yeah. Now, they have chosen, somewhat symbolically, two blue balls to talk about not putting it in your mouth. <laughs> what part did you just get to? This is a flop jaw level lion. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Remember, boys and girls. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay, which part do you want to take? I don't want to put this song in my mouth. <laughs> Do you want to be the response to the call and response as Flapjaw? Yes. Okay. I'll do that. Okay, that means you're responsible for the icks. Let me send you the lyrics. Okay. Christ alive. This is literally just narrow casting for a Canadian audience at this point. Okay. I can't do this. My no. brain, I know. <laughs> My brain is falling apart. I, know, I can't. That's why. I can't that's... podcast anymore. Okay, that's fair. We'll figure it out for next time. Okay. Don't. Eh. <laughs> eh. Don't you put it in your mouth? Maybe we can record a version of this song, and. Put it up on Patreon. That's what I'm thinking. When I had more, I because I need to put food in my mouth before my brain will do. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fair. We could do this another time, but I just want you to be aware of this. This all can get cut. Um. Why in the meantime, you do this to me, because it's great. It's don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you put it in your mouth till you ask someone you love if it's okay to eat. Like a muffin or a beet. They couldn't. If you don't know what it is. Remember, boys and girls, don't you put it in your mouth. Ick. 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 Escape. <laughs> okay. Do we want to fucking end this thing? Yeah. I've lost my mind Please. three times over at this point. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
I'll talk to you next week for yeah. session zero. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. <laughs> Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories as well as at So Says Media. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash so says media. We also have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube for more queer comedy. All music used on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Stay tuned for a sneak peek of the same coin light side episode one. Until next time, thanks for listening. begins in space. Countless stars and the occasional twinkle of a distant starship entering hyperspace fill the frame. We are entranced by the serene beauty of this picture for just a moment before we are interrupted by a star cruiser flying past. The camera rotates to follow the cruiser before settling on a small blue-green marble planet with cities dotting its surface. We cut to a shot of a bustling city skyscape. The horizon littered with sky cabs, we are immediately aware that this is a city that rarely, if ever, sleeps. The camera does like a drone shot of the current Galactic Senate building on Chandrilla. It does like a sweep over from the sky. We see a gorgeous sunset. And then the scene cuts to a couple of people walking and talking through a cramped hallway in the Senate building. Uh, Rumi. Senator. This uh, data file, it seems uh, incomplete. Would you be able to uh, follow up on this for me? Uh, yeah, absolutely, sir. In the meantime, have you had a chance to look over my proposal for trade negotiations with Onderon? I have. I'm optimistic. You know the Onderonians aren't always going to be the most engaged in these negotiations. Uh, so we'll have to play it by ear, but I think you've done some really good uh, background work. Um, Thank you, sir. A lot that we can work with. Thank you, sir. Well done. Thank you. And we see a young, slightly stuck-up-looking Philothian woman walk in very clicky heels. She walks with an extreme purpose when she bumps into another group of people. In doing so, bounces off of a rather large-looking furry log of a creature falling and scattering her data pad. And at this point, I think the camera wipes over to a Zeltron. The camera kind of wipes from top to bottom as we see your cab pulling up to the, the Republic Wrestling Federation building. When you get there, where do you go first? Oh, I go straight for the concessions. Beautiful. <laughs> That's actually what I thought I was going to say. <laughs> um, so you walk up to the concessions. There's a Twi'lek uh, bartender there. And she looks at you and says, what can I get you? Oh, I believe the question is, what can't you get me? Wink. I'm sorry, there's a large lineup. If you're not going to tell me what you want, then I can't help you. Next. Listen. And she motions to the next customer in line. It's an authorium. Yes, sir. Can I help you? Hold on just a minute. I'll have two bright nebulas. Is that everything? Uh, 
a, a, a bantha sausage and uh, extra sauce on that one, please. Thank extra you. sauce. Okay. Yes. Uh, is that it? And that's everything. So the two. That's everything. Yes. Uh, the the Twi'lek bartender rolls her eyes. Just tap your credit shit on the machine when you're ready. And I do that. And she turns around and starts preparing your uh, bright nebulas. So we cut to uh, the seating area and you are getting comfy in your seats with your bright nebula. When we hear an announcer on the PA system, ladies and gentlemen, for your third challenger this evening, we have the one, the only, Silk! So we, we cut to Silk coming out of the changing room area into the uh, into the ring. She kind of elegantly walks down and, you know, just like is waving to everybody. And then she gets to the end. She she holds up a very product placement thing. It's a bottle of Silk and it's a plant based Bantha milk substitute. And she takes a sip from it and she hides a grimace. Uh, the camera that's displaying over the ring focuses in on the grimace <laughs> and then i put it away and as soon as i get up to the ring to like start getting ready i spit it out because i can't drink plant-based stuff because i'm a hurch um so as as silk is climbing into the ring the announcer comes uh comes back on the pa and says versus the Syrian beast and the crowd goes wild just, everybody around me is like cheering and i'm just like boo 